Amen, amen. Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles. Turn over to the book of Psalm. Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Psalm 133. I talked to... Uh, Brother Hines, and uh, I said, let him know uh, I, had, I had texted. He, he told me to text him uh, after the vote and everything, let him know how things went and that he'd be praying for the church. And so I told him uh, how the vote went and everything. And uh, he said, what are you preaching on Sunday? Uh, all the things Pastor Legault's done wrong? <laughs> and I said, well, I do have all the notes for that, but uh, no, I don't think we're going to go that way. Um, no, he said, don't tell pastor I said that. I said, I'm totally, I'm totally ratting you out, brother. I'm ratting you out. Uh, no, it's, uh, it was great. Brother Hines says hello and that things are going well up there. He did have another bout of some sickness. Uh, it wasn't COVID this time, but he was, he was down for another couple of weeks uh, after Thanksgiving. And so pray, just keep him in your prayers. He said it's still kind of lingering uh, for him, but uh, he's... He's excited for what's going on here, and so uh, praise the Lord, he's, he's doing well though. So uh, Psalm 133, uh, verse number one, of course, uh, we'll read the whole chapter. I hope that's okay, uh, all three verses, uh, Psalm 133, he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head and ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And so here we have a wonderful picture, uh, how good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity. The unity of brethren and how, how beautiful it is and how great of a picture it is. And uh, the Lord gives the picture here of both Aaron being anointed and the ointment that flows down. And it, uh, they poured that over his head and it ran down his hair and down his beard and then over the, over the garments and all the way down to the floor and uh, just covered him and flowed down. And how beautiful it was to recognize the fact that God would anoint somebody to have a relationship between mankind, that's the priesthood, right? It's between mankind and God, that God would reach down and make a conduit or a place where man could actually have a relationship with him. Uh, through that priesthood, the reach between, uh, to stand between man and God at that particular moment. And that was the job that Aaron was supposed to have, uh, was to stand there and be, and be the go-between. And of course, we understand in the New Testament that uh, the priesthood of the believer, we understand that you don't need you know, me or Pastor Legault or anybody else. Uh, you get to go right to God and you step into the throne room and be able to have that prayer and that, and that supplication that you personally can have. 
with God. But uh, that picture, that beautiful picture of the Holy Ghost, of the anointing, the oil was a picture of the Holy Ghost. And it's showing up and being poured down Aaron in the flow and the beauty of what great things God did and, and what he was going to use the priesthood to do and bring in the sacrifices and show that the Lord was willing to make a sacrifice to atone for mankind's sins. And of course, the sacrifices of the Old Testament that the blood of bulls and goats that could never take away sin was replaced by one sacrifice forever, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about that water, that dew that goes down on Mount Hermon and the mountains of Zion and it flows down off the rivers, down into the rivers and down all the way into the, into the Jordan River and down into the Mediterranean and it flows down off the mountains and how beautiful that is as the water flows down those mountains and it's just a wonderful picture of how the Lord is trying to use and utilizes that whole area and utilizes it to bring forth life in the valleys. Uh, it's a beautiful picture. How good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity. It's a beautiful picture of unity. It's a beautiful picture of what the Lord is trying to do. And of course, we jump to the New Testament and we find how beautiful it is ultimately when a church runs in unity. And it works together in unity. And it stays the course that way as a, as a single solitary unit. And how beautiful it is. Notice both of those are fluid. Uh, the oil that flows down and the dew that turns down and it flows, it's all a fluid that comes down and flows in one direction with one purpose to get down all the way and, and it covers and it shows some great pictures and I'm not going to cover the pictures here, I'm actually not even going to stay here for much longer outside of my introduction, but it's a beautiful thing that it flows all together, it flows together, the movement of it as its entirety is made to go all in the same direction, to go all together to accomplish the goal that he's looking for. And he's using those things and how beautiful it is and what can be accomplished when men are unified. Uh, it's a poor example, but it's a great example. Uh, you look over at the Tower of Babel, and mankind was of one, of one language. They're uh, there and they're gathered together and they're going to build a tower to reach onto heaven. And the Lord comes down and the Lord says, nothing shall be restrained from them. That tells you what unity can do. Unity can bring about something where nothing could be restrained. We look over and what, you know, the, the greatness and what we could be and what we could do and what we could have. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that will destroy the idea of what the church will be if it will grow or if it won't grow is disunity. To dissemble and to break apart and to go ahead and cause a schism within the body. That will cause no growth. It will cause problems. It will cause destruction. Uh, it will cause... Uh, Lord, uh, uh, it'll cause a lot of different pieces to fall apart in the, in the look and how it's supposed to run and how it's supposed to grow. And so the Lord says, you know, it's so much better if brethren could just dwell together in unity. 
The plan is that the brethren can stay together and unify. Now, we understand that the, the idea of the universal church, if you'd like to call it that, or the body of believers around the world that are saved and they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's, a, that's the full body of Christ, and that's the, you know, the whole assembly, and our goal ought to be the same goal around the world. Uh, but locally, we have certain things, and in a local church, it's a great picture of what Christ has done for the entirety of the world, his whole body. He's got a picture of it here locally. And locally, as a local body of, church, of a church, as a body of believers, you and I ought to have a goal and ought to have a vision and ought to have an aim to go in the same direction and be of the same mind. And as we look forward, I, I'm trying to convey some things that I, I and I'm, I'm struggling a bit, so pray for me, but... Uh, as we look forward, I, I have some thoughts. I have some things that I would love to see. And I don't know if the Lord wants all of those things or not. You, you know that? You, you and I look at some things and we pray about some things and we think, hey, you know, uh, uh, I would love to see this happen. But we also know that I don't know if that's exactly what the Lord wants or how the Lord would maybe get, to me that, get us to that point. But I look around and I think, boy, we have great potential of certain things. We have great potential for expansion. We have great potential for growth. We have great potential for people to serve more and to have different openings to be able to serve. We have certain things in this church that uh, the ministries and the openings and the opportunities we could increase as well as different, different ministries we could even open up that we don't even have. Um, you say, where could you go with that? Uh, almost endless. Uh, the vision could be almost endless. Uh, I would love to do certain things, and certain things uh, there's no way I'm ready for. Uh, there's certain things the church wouldn't be ready for, and it's not supposed to be yet, but maybe we could work toward doing some of those things. And the idea is, boy, if we could all get to the same page, what could be restrained from us? Uh, and, of course, I understand, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I get that. Uh, that's why I'm saying I have some thoughts, I have some ideas I'm praying on, and some things that I would love to see. Uh, in the future, come down the road, and maybe we can go that direction, and maybe the Lord will give me the grace and the wisdom, and we'll be able to do that, and maybe he'll say, no, I don't want you to do that. Uh, David had it in his heart that he would build, a, he would build the temple for, for the Lord, right? Is that a bad vision? Well, no, not at all. I mean, he's going, I'm, I'm in a beautiful palace, I've got a great house, and the Lord doesn't even have a good house, he's still in a tent. I want to go build him something. And the prophet even tells him, go ahead and do it. Whatever's in your heart, go ahead and do it. And then he has to come back later and go, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Don't do that. The Lord said you can't do that. You can't build him a house. But what you can do is you can lay up everything that your son will need to go ahead and build the house. So what did David had? He had a vision for something he wanted for the Lord. And the Lord said, we can't do that yet. But maybe, maybe your kids will take care of that for me. Now you say, well, a trumpet's going to sound before that. Okay, well, they've, they've thought that for a long time, all right? And, and rightfully, I mean, Paul was going, hey, it's, I mean, now it's, he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. Paul thought he was coming in his lifetime, and you and I ought to think he's coming in our lifetime, and maybe he won't. Uh, I think he will, but maybe he won't. And you say, what are you, just, what are you hoping for? Just to set up a vision for the future. Uh, Pastor Legault's done a great job of setting up a vision for the future and keeping us going. Uh, that's, why he, that's why he has done what he's done. 
he's willing to uh, go ahead and push toward a future as opposed to trying to hold on to something that he thinks the Lord wants him to let go. That's, that's something, I, he's seen it, he mentioned it before, I've, I've seen it, uh, Brother Mike's seen it, you've probably seen it, around, pastors that hold on so long and they lose a vision, they don't see what, they, what could be the potential. They're content with what you have as opposed to trying to push to another level to see if the Lord could give you more grace and more understanding, more wisdom, more outreach, more to give Him more glory and to see what could happen. And tonight, tonight the idea is whatever happens over the next however long till a trumpet sounds, I pray we'd still be together. We'd still move in unity. We'd still go ahead and, and maybe convey some of the vision and go ahead and see some things that the Lord could see doing here at Emmanuel. And I don't mean at everybody else's church. I mean here. Uh, I know the Lord's trying to reach everywhere, and He wants to, and He wants to increase everywhere, but uh, we're not everywhere. <laughs> I know we give to missions, and, and I hope we keep increasing giving to missions. I don't want to slow up. On giving to missions, that's not what I mean. I mean that right here we might need to see some things that maybe we could do uh, in the future. Maybe we could do some things differently or maybe we could do some things better or maybe we could add some new things to be able to see what the Lord will do. And so I'm, I'm going to ask tonight that you pray about it and you pray that we have some wisdom. And I'd appreciate that. Let's go to Lord in prayer. And I want to look at some things tonight. And uh, this is called Let's Stick Together. Uh, let's stick together, all right? So, Father, I do thank you for the night, and I thank you, Lord, you're so good to us. How unworthy we are, Lord, to be able to serve you. How unworthy we are to be able to just uh, rest in you and trust in you, and, Father, have you... I'll lead and guide and give wisdom and understanding. And so, Father, I do pray you'd help me tonight. I need, I need you. I need you to help me to just convey the thoughts that uh, are overwhelming to me sometimes. And so, Father, I do pray that you would help me to uh, keep things focused and not ramble or go on about, about anything in particular, Lord, that I shouldn't especially. But, Father, I do pray that you would uh, grant me the wisdom to say what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified and that uh, he would be praised because he's worthy. And Father, we pray you'd uh, give Emmanuel a wonderful spirit of unity. Father, I love that, uh, Father, you've given us that. Lord, we have that. I believe we have that. But Father, I pray you'd help us to keep that. And Lord, we pray you would work in hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me over to uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, if you would. Acts chapter 12. Just three things tonight, just three things that we ought to get together on. And if we're not together on it, we ought to get together. And if we are on it, I say let's stick together on it, all right? And so that's why tonight it's let's stick together, because I think we are together. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of disunity here. I mean, I did get, I did get a uh, unanimous vote, and so that made me feel better about unity. Uh, that helps. That took a little... I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous about some things there, and uh, you never know. And uh, especially after that message I preached at New Year's, um, Brother Viscom was pulling his vote from me that day. I mean, honestly, he's, so brother, I don't know about this anymore. And, uh, you know, but uh, the Lord is good. And uh, Acts chapter 12, he says this, And when Peter was come to himself, of course, Peter has been... Uh, 
was imprisoned, and of course, you know, he, he gets released. The Lord releases him. Uh, the angel Lord shows up, and he says in verse number 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken unto, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, I don't know about you, I find this, I find this story a little funny right here. Uh, they're praying, right? They're gathered together. This is where they were. They, were. they were together praying. And here they are, and they're together praying, and they're praying together, and they're praying that Peter would be able to be released, that he would get out of the judgment that was coming because they're ready to kill him. Uh, the, uh, Peter is supposed to die that, the next morning. Uh, they're thinking, okay, Peter, you know, he's going to die. Uh, and, you know, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. And Peter shows up at the door. He knocks on the door. Rhoda's so excited that it's Peter. She doesn't even let him in. She runs back inside to tell everybody, hey, Peter's outside. Why didn't you just let him in? Nope, I'm going to leave him out there for a few more minutes. That way with his prison break, maybe one of the guards will see him. They'll take him back. I don't know. And uh, so she's standing there. And so she comes in and nobody believes her. No, no, we're praying about that. So that can't have happened yet. <laughs> we're praying. Why would he have answered that? <laughs> and Peter shows up, and, and they, finally they go, well, it must be his angel. He's dead already. <laughs> no. They finally show up, and they open the door. Peter's still standing outside like, um, guys, guys, did you forget something? I'm still out here. And they come back out and they open the door and there's Peter. And they're astonished. They're amazed. Uh, you say, why? Because God did something amazing because they prayed together. They prayed together. Say, so what did they have? They had one desire. They were of one desire. They're in the room. They're praying. And what are they praying? They're praying about one thing. That Peter would be released. That the Lord could spare Peter. Now, they, it was so unbelievable to the ones even praying that Peter's showing up at the gate and knocking on the door and is standing there outside. None of them believe it, even when Rhoda shows up to tell him he's outside. Say, so what, what were they doing? They had one desire, and they couldn't even believe that God would give them the desire. But he did. Say, so why? Because they had one desire, and they prayed together. They prayed together. If you could pray for anything for Emmanuel, what would you pray? What would you pray? If you could pray for individuals within the church for them and what they could have and what they could gain, what would you pray for them? Could you have one desire that the Lord would increase what we're doing here? Increase what we give to missions. 
increase our effect on our community and on outreach personally and locally. Increase what we're doing within the buildings and, and what we can do and maybe even add on to the buildings and make it so that it's more conducive for what we can do and what we want to do. Maybe be able to pray that God would continue to increase uh, the number of people in the room, but not just that, but increase our faith in what we would be willing to trust Him in. Would you be willing to continue to pray and say, hey, Lord, uh, I don't know what you want to do with us here, but could you give us wisdom to know what we should do? I desire the Lord would be able to make it so that we could have a gymnasium and have, uh, have a place for kids to be able to come in and be able to do an outreach that way. Pastors had that same outreach for a long time. That, that same idea of just trying to reach not just not just our people, not just a few people, but try to reach into a community and say, hey, we're having a basketball night, we're having a volleyball night, we're having this, and be able to get them in and have some fun and then go and preach the gospel. I'd love that. I'd love to do that. I'd love to go ahead and, and make it so that, uh, you know, we have, we have different ways to have different outreaches here and beyond what we have now. You say, well, we don't have that. Of course, that's why we, we can't do it. <laughs> seems impossible you're sitting in impossible <laughs> this building's impossible we're sitting in a place where we shouldn't be <laughs> and have been sitting in it for 12 years of services because people were willing to say hey I don't know what God can do but I'll pray for it and let's see what God will do would you pray that God would would increase what we can do in our in our music ministries would you pray that God would increase what we're doing with our hope ministry and be able to help more people? Would you be willing to pray that we could reach more people out on visitation, out in street preaching, out with the Bible handouts, out at grief share? As they come in with grief share, that it'd be a comfort and a blessing and a help and it'd see some souls saved there too. Be able to reach out. We have so many ministries that our teen group would grow. And that we'd see souls saved because our teens are reaching out and they're coming on Friday nights. That Light Brigade would grow and that those kids would grow well and follow in their parents' footsteps. That are bringing them there because their parents are a mess and they're bringing kids because they need help. They need somebody to watch their kids so they can go hear what's being preached and taught and do the lessons and do all those things. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to pray that the sound system would be able to increase and grow back there? That it have that it have nice effect, and that it would be easy for uh, the people working in it, and that everything would run smooth. You know how many distractions show up? Would you be willing to pray that uh, the people in the church that are working, whatever job that they're doing, whatever little thing to the great things, would be able to do their job effectively and understand it and see it and be able to do it well? We just, we just nominated and voted on a whole new slate of officers. We practically replaced just about everybody because we had to. And uh, you say, what would you do? Would you pray for them that they'd do it well and they'd pick up the new job and that everything would run well? And what do we need? We need people who'd be willing to pray and be of one mind and one desire that the church would increase. And that it would grow naturally and well. It doesn't have to grow by 60 people next week. <laughs> what do you do with that? That's not natural. That means something bad happened somewhere else, and we got a whole bunch of people who are probably going to hurt some people, all right? Uh, but you had a family here and a family here, and maybe by the end of next year, we could grow by 20 or 30. By the end of the year, and we turn around in January, we got 20 or 30 more people that are coming regular. 
and feeling like they're at home, say, boy, that sounds like a lot more people. Not by the Lord's standards. I mean, he had 3,000 in a day to the church, so I guess, uh, I mean, I guess 60 in a week wouldn't be too bad, would it? Um, but he can. Say, what's your desire? My desire is that we could pray together and see maybe a vision and maybe some folks would see some ways. Say, well, why don't people pray that way? Sometimes they don't pray that way because they're worried that the Lord will tell them to be a part of what's happening. They get worried that, you know, I'm not so sure that I want to pray for that because pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. Well, I don't want to pray about laborers going into the harvest. Why? Because he might ask me to be a laborer. And I don't want to work. I'd rather be lazy. I hope that's not us. I hope that's not us. I hope we're not looking around going, well, how can I do less? How can I find a way to do less? Not how can I find a way to train somebody to do what I'm doing so that I can go do more somewhere else. Now, that's a good way to do it. Can I train somebody else to take my place so that I can do what needs to be done over there so that I can grow myself? We do those things, we move forward in those things. Why? So that we can also grow. And the Lord wants us to grow, and He wants us, and we ought to pray together, desiring to see God do some amazing things here at the church. Because He can. And what could be restrained if you'd pray about it? The Lord will give you wisdom if you should do it or not. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. On this same note here. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who, hath, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He also helping together by prayer for us, that... For the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is, uh, is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. For we write none other things unto you than what, we, what you read or acknowledge, and I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end. As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that you might have a second benefit. Something is not right, and I don't know what it is. Am I in the right spot? I am, according to my notes. Hey, there it was. I read right past it. Do you like that? Verse number 11. He said, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Uh, he's talking about prayer and praying together. Uh, he's talking about the trouble that came and the problems that came up. The troubles that were there, and he said the only reason we get through these troubles, the only reason that God delivered us from so great a death and dust deliver, is that uh, ye were helping together by prayer. Helping together by prayer. You realize there's always troubles in the church. 
there's always trouble for people. <laughs> uh, where, where there are no oxen, <laughs> the crib is clean. <laughs> but you don't get increase without the ox. <laughs> and when we're working, you know what we have? We have troubles. And problems come, and there's a bunch of things to deal with. And the stall gets dirty, and the problems are there, and there's troubles, and there's people, you know, working together is not always easy. But the Lord says, uh, you know, it fixes that. Prayer fixes that. Praying together fixes that. Well, I don't know what trouble we have, and I don't know what so-and-so is going through, and boy, they were kind of rough on me this morning. I thought they were nicer than that, and... Well, maybe it's because they're going through some troubles and they're feeling the pressures. How, how, how do you act when you feel pressured? <laughs> you get, right, you're under stress, you act nice and calm and cool, and you're always nice to everybody when you're under stress, right? No, you feel stressed, you're tense, you're, you're, you're tightened up, and you know what you do? You do what everybody else does. You do what I do, right? You start snapping at people just a little quicker than you would have normally. If you weren't feeling the pressure, you know what you'd be? You're on edge. You're on edge with all that pressure. And someone says something and you take it the wrong way and they may not mean anything by it, but you take it the wrong way and you just go and you go after it and you do this and you do that. You say, what what do you you ought to do? You ought to just pray for them. Lord, maybe they're under some pressure I don't know about. You help them out? Maybe they're pressed above strength in so much that they're despairing even of life. Well, yeah, but they're supposed to be nice to me. Okay, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and put on charity and think no evil and bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things? Why can't you just go, well, maybe they're just having a bad day and they got too much pressure on them. And Lord, if something's bugging them or they've got some issues, could you just help them take that load off of them? Well, yeah, but then I wouldn't be justified in being mad at him. Yeah. Amen. Because you're not justified in being mad at him. Uh, it, and you say, what does that do? That makes it so that you, you realize when you start praying for him, instead of condemning them, it makes it a whole lot better for you to be in unity with them still. Unforgiveness destroys unity. Bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The loss of unity could be taken care of maybe with you praying for one another. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I hope we're still praying together. Let's stick together in prayer. Let's stick together in prayer. Let's keep praying one for another, praying for the church, praying for the increase, praying that the Lord would give wisdom and understanding. Pray that the Lord takes care of things and helps us to see. Help us to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That'd be a good prayer to pray for somebody. Lord, help them not to, not to walk in the flesh. Help them not to fulfill that side. Help them, help them to stay in the Spirit while they're doing what they need to for you. It's a good prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, you know the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? I hope I don't have to cover all the verses at the end. Because uh, notice what he says in verse number 1 here of chapter 6. He says, we then... All right, then, 
because of the end of chapter 15, right, where we're ambassadors for Christ and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation and he's done all those things. And so here we are and he says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not only should we be praying together and be of one desire, we ought to be working together under one master. Working together with him. Uh, not only, this, it, this is putting feet on your prayers. Lord, help the church to increase, help it to grow, help it to grow with people, help it to grow with finances, help it to grow with missions, help it to grow with uh, expansion, help it to grow with, with uh, people and, and ministries and help this ministry to flourish and help this over here. Okay, well, how about you do something with it? I mentioned it before, that's why people don't pray for those things. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because I don't want to pray for that because then I might be in the harvest. Well, it's putting feet on what we're doing. Now we don't just pray together about it. We work together while we're praying. We're praying, Lord, give us an increase. Give us wisdom. Help us to grow. Help us to do. Help us to have. Okay, give me the confidence now to do what you asked me to do. Work together. And now, now here's the thing. Uh, now some people, right, we understand, you can't, not everybody goes to a mission field. Not everybody goes to the street corner. Not everybody goes to visitation. Not everybody is going to be working in the youth group, and not everybody's going to be working in junior church, and not everybody's going to be in the nursery, and not everybody's going to be everywhere. That's when you get to pray for it. Your part is praying for it. That's you working together. <laughs> Your work is, I'm going to pray while somebody else goes. But if the Lord's telling you to go, then it ought to be working together because He's the master. He's the master. And so then it is, Lord, help me as I go and help me with everybody else around me that's going. <laughs> and here we go. And we labor together. We work together. We're co-laborers with Christ. There's reference after reference after reference. Uh, don't stop doing some work. Find some things you can do. By the way, uh, I'd encourage you to find some things you can't do. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean things you don't like to do and that make you uncomfortable. You ought to try and do them every once in a while. Say so why? That, that the power might be of Christ. That you'd be humbled to go, Lord, I know I don't like this, and you know I don't like this, but I'm going to do this because I know I should do it every once in a while. That doesn't mean if you're uncomfortable going out street preaching, you're uncomfortable doing this, you're uncomfortable doing that, that you, that you have to do it every week. That's not what I mean. But boy, you know, the Lord will bless. The Lord will bless when you make yourself uncomfortable sometimes just to go ahead and do something just for Him. I am... Uh, I... I I sing now. I didn't like doing that. I still don't like it. Uh, I've been in other churches, and, uh, you know, Brother Art always asked me to preach when I was up there. And, uh, you know, I've had people ask me to, or ask me to sing, and, and after they found out I could sing a little bit, they're like, hey, yeah, no, no, you need to sing. And I've, I tell everybody, I would rather preach a thousand times than sing once. I just would. And I do it, and I do it, and I'm uncomfortable the entire time. 
Uh, I'm still uncomfortable. I am, I am more comfortable leading than I used to be. I'm still uncomfortable singing a special. So why do you do it? Because he asks me. And, and some people, they don't get that. They don't, they don't, well, why would you be uncomfortable? You're, you're, they'd go, well, you're good at it. That doesn't make any difference. I mean, if I was good at it, Pastor, even if I was good at it, it wouldn't make a difference. Because it's not, it's not that I'm, I'm not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it at all. I would, much rather, I would much rather get up and preach a message than ever sing. Say, so then why do you do it? Because I think he gets more glory when I do things that I don't like to do. And he deserves the glory. Whether, it, whether it's great or not, it's his glory. Well, I'm not very good at witnessing to somebody. Okay, did he ask? Well, not really, he commanded. Well, yeah, but I'm not really a people person. I'm not telling you to go around and, and knock everybody's door in the world and go ahead and, and just cold conversation everybody and go ahead and, but boy, maybe the Lord will put some people on you. Or maybe he'll say you should go on visitation one day and go knock a few doors with somebody. Yeah, but I don't feel comfortable. That'd be good for you. Discomfort helps with growth. Discomfort helps with growth. The more uncomfortable you feel sometimes, the more you'll grow in a little bit. It takes, it takes just the right amount of pruning to make the tree come out the way it should be. It's not very comfortable for the tree, but the master decided the trimming needed to happen. It's not very comfortable for us sometimes to feel like, well, you know, I don't really like this, and I don't feel comfortable doing it, and I don't feel like, and the Lord says, yeah, but that's okay. I'm going to use that to help you grow because you can trust me to help you get through that. It's an exercise of faith. Well, I'm afraid. I'm not comfortable. I, I feel so nervous. I don't like, and the Lord says, yeah, but when you're weak, I'm strong. My grace is sufficient. I talked about it this morning. We can trust him and we can lean on him and we can rely on him. And when we do everything that we're comfortable with, you know what we're not doing? We're not trusting him. That's not a whole lot of trust in that. Sometimes I, I think, Lord, I really hope, I want to make sure I'm doing what you tell me to do. Why? It's pretty easy for me to write down a message real quick. But to write the right message and do it in the right way? i got to slow down, and Lord, I know I'm comfortable, and so I'll be fine. But that wouldn't do you any good, and that wouldn't do him any good. I mean, he can use it. He can do what he likes. But if it's all about what I can do, that's not doing much. You know, some people, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it anyways. Some of you really like to just read, and you'd read anything. You'd pick up whatever book. It wouldn't make any difference to you, whether it's a novel and it's fiction or it's, or it's the Bible or it's whatever, and you can read 15, 20 pages a day, and it wouldn't make either difference to you. You're just like, I love to read, and so you just read. Say, that, that make me spiritual, right? Because I'm reading 20 pages a day? No? 
You're doing what's comfortable. You're doing, you're doing what's comfortable. Some people, they can pray for hours. Wouldn't bother them a bit to be on their knees for two hours. Asking the Lord and praying and just talking with Him because uh, they like talking with Him. And it's just kind of easy to them. Say, that make them spiritual? Probably not. Say, see, that sounds terrible. Didn't that sound terrible right there? Didn't that sound awful? But if they go ahead and pray for two hours and read one chapter because they don't like reading, does that make them spiritual? Or if they pray for two hours and they don't pick up their Bible that day, did they do what he asked them to do? Well, I don't really like reading. That's not my thing, but I'll pray. Well, I'm not really good at praying, so I'll read. No, you just did what was comfortable. You didn't do what was commanded. So why do I got to do things that are uncomfortable? Because some of them are commanded. And we do it together. We work together to accomplish the goal. We work together to move forward. The unity is part of the work. When they built the Tower of Babel, you know what they were doing? They were working together. You say, that's a terrible thing that they were doing. Yeah, but nothing was going to be restrained from them because they were in unity working together. Say, what can I do? There's always something to do. There's always something you can do. Even if it's small to great, there's something you can find. And just do a small part. Look over at Philippians chapter 1. I feel like I'm weighing heavy tonight. And I'm not trying to be. But if we'd stick together, we, the truth is, when we stick together, you know what? There's no telling what God could do. There's no telling. What, and I know what you're doing. You're thinking, all right? You're thinking. I hope you're thinking anyways. <laughs> and we're thinking, what could I do? What could he ask of me? What could I pray for? What desire could be there? What could the master ask of me? Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, he says only... Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Lastly, not only should we pray together with one desire, not only should we be working together with one master, we ought to be striving together with one aim. One goal. One goal. Looking forward, striving together, not striving with each other. <laughs> striving together, fighting to go forward. Say, so what are we fighting for? 
uh, we're fighting to go and get close enough to our Savior together. You realize, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You, you realize why we're running the race and running toward Christ is to be just like him? Could you imagine if in unity we were all running to the same point of Jesus Christ and being everything we can be just for him and being as much like him as we possibly can be and trying to gain everything we possibly can to be just like him? Our goal is to match Jesus Christ in this life. That's a high goal. That's a real high goal. But Paul's statement is that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's going, I'll count all things but dung that I may win Christ. I'll count all that stuff lost if I could know him and be just like him. If everybody in this room and everybody that's a member of this church and everybody who comes here, if their aim was if I could be, do everything in my life just the way that Christ would want me to, if I could live my life by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, you realize that all of us would be on the exact same page of doing what we ought to do. And if we could hit our aim, what could we not do? One aim, striving together to do what? For the mastery of Jesus Christ. To be just like Him. If our goal is holiness and righteousness and truth, then we'd all be going in the same direction. And the flow would be the same. And it would be beautiful. Paul admonishes admonishes the church at Rome in chapter 15 and verse number 30. In the book of Romans, he says, striving together in prayer. Say, what's he doing? He wants them to strive together. The same goal, the same aim. They're looking at the same point and they're doing it all by prayer to get to the same spot. Maybe we could Strive together in prayer. Have one desire that each one of us would be fashioned like unto Christ. That the church itself would be able to move and to have the same mind and the same thought process. You say, what's that mind? That mind is Christ. Let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That we'd all have a humbleness of mind. We'd all esteem each other better than ourselves and that we'd work together to perform what he wants us to do because he's one master and if we have his mind we'll do what the master told us to do jesus christ statement right i do always those things that please the father now you and i fail i understand we're men <laughs> mankind human we fail we're good failures <laughs> but that's why we strive we fight to push toward a goal, I would, I would be like Jesus. And if we could get there, what could be restrained? Let's stick together. Let's keep moving forward 
and praying together about what God could have Emmanuel do in the future. Pray together. Keep looking around going, what could we do better? What could we find? What could we have? What can I do better so that I can be more like my Savior? Could I work better? Could I strive together? Could I pray together? Could I? What can I do so that Jesus Christ can be glorified and we can see growth and continue to see growth? Keep growing, but grow together. Let's go ahead and stand. How good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity. It's a beautiful thing to be unified. To watch a church run in unity is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to stay in unity and to work together to accomplish the goal He has for us. And I'd encourage you, take aim. Take aim at Jesus Christ and what He is and who He is and have Him be perfected in you. And pray that the Lord would do that in somebody else. And that we'd see, we'd see the increase because we stuck together. Father, I do pray you would bless the night. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to have a great spirit of unity. I believe we do here. I didn't preach this as a condemnation. I, pro- I preach this as an encouragement to keep doing what we do. I believe we're a spirit. We have a great spirit of unity here. And I believe people are working and they're praying and they're striving to go ahead and reach the goal of Jesus Christ and what you'd have us to be. Father, I pray that would always be our goal. That you'd help us to keep that in mind and in the vision that we have that we'd look to Jesus and trust him. Father, we pray you'd get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.